prayer with me. Lord, tonight we enter this hour with great joy and expectation, so thankful for Christmas and all that it means to us. We look forward to that gift that you seem to give every Christmas Eve, and that is the gift of your presence. When we come here to worship, suddenly you touch us in our hearts and meet that need that we didn't quite expect you to meet. And so tonight, we ask you to bless us and in turn so fill us with your joy that we can go forth and be a blessing. We give you this hour in gratitude for all you've given to us in Christ's name. Amen. Traditionally, we call Christmas Eve the loveliest night of the year, and indeed it is for so many reasons, one of which is that God has a way of surprising us who come to worship with things that we didn't expect. And tonight, I don't know what your agenda or your need, but I know God knows. And he has a way of, with this many people, individualizing this service just to your need. So much so that we hope by the end of the hour that you will agree this was the loveliest night of the year because here you met the living God. That's been our prayer for you. We'd also like you to take a moment and be family. It's Christmas. We're the community of faith. Would you take some time and shake some hands and give some hugs and let's wish each other a Merry Christmas.
would imagine that the baby born in Bethlehem was a king? Let's read this prophecy from the book of Isaiah responsively. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice.
glory, glory to God in the highest. God's glory, his uh, awesome magnificence is like thousands of brilliant searchlights and we are invited to live in that light. Let's read about that together. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all.
Our scripture reading this night is from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. This is the word of God. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. May God bless this reading of his word to us tonight. It would seem appropriate as part of our Christmas Eve worship to think beyond our walls for a few moments. We have had many issues in the world that concern all of us, issues of peace. I think of the Mideast tonight and all that has been and all that it could be. And sometimes as Christians, we want to do things. We don't know what we can do. It seems beyond our control. And then we look at Washington and the same kind of divisiveness and hatred and we wonder what we can do and we want to fix things and we can't. And yet there is one thing the church can do that exerts the greatest power in the world for change. And the Bible says we can pray because pray can, a prayer can literally change the course of history. It has, it could again. And I thought for a few moments tonight, we as the body of Christ could take a time just to pray in our own way for these, at least these two issues of peace so desperately needed because Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he's in control. Would you join me in just some silent prayer on these issues? Lord, we think of the words of the angels when you were born, peace on earth, and we realize that peace is still evading us. And we're deeply concerned about the division in our own country, the walls of hate, the huge chasms in the Mideast that seem centuries old. And Lord, we call you the great reconciler and the prince of peace, and we would ask tonight that perhaps in a way that would surprise us, you would intervene and heal and bring peace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to ask you a, a question. What do you want most for yourself this Christmas? That question was on our hearts as a staff and on my heart as we were preparing tonight because we wondered what your answer would be. How could we best meet your need? 
What could we as a church give you as you come here seeking on Christmas Eve? And we concluded that one thing most of us are seeking for tonight would be inner peace. Um, peace is a rare commodity today in a world torn by Saddam Hussein's and ethnic cleansing and uh, relational struggles between uh, even our neighbors in a neighborhood. It's rare in our personal worlds as we're tor tor torn by emotional stress and physical stress and spiritual stress. And so it remains that elusive treasure that many of us would want so much, this treasure of inner peace. In fact, the secular world is also seeking it. Time Magazine quotes one man's confession that probably could be echoed by many of us tonight. My life's hectic. I'm running all day, meetings, phone calls, paperwork, appointments. I push myself to the limit and fall in bed exhausted and then get up early the next morning and I do it all over again. My output's tremendous and I'm getting a lot done, but I get this feeling inside sometimes. So what? What are you doing that really counts? And then he closes by saying, I have to admit, I don't know. Recently, I saw a large billboard advertising costume jewelry and they came up with a very catchy title for their product. They called it an elegant illusion. Elegant illusions, myth, fantasy, those are often the ingredients of what our culture calls peace. Think for a moment about the various illusions which many people uh, turn to to seek for peace. The excitement and intoxication of a rock concert created by laser light and sound, and then we read People's Magazine and learn about the personal lives of rock stars and it's not so peaceful. Or the romance and escape of a movie like Titanic. I lost myself totally for three hours in that movie only to realize afterward the film was photographed on a soundstage and its scenes were computer generated and there really wasn't much Titanic or ocean water involved in that movie. Silicon Valley offers its own illusions of peace, doesn't it? Live in the right neighborhood, join the right social circles, achieve your financial goals, keep physically fit. All of us know the litany. But many possess all of these treasures, and even tonight, we're still restless. Forbes magazine featured testimonies from people who've acquired great wealth, and this was what some of them said. Some wanted still more money. Others worried about the impact of money upon their children when they inherit it. Some confessed a restlessness within their souls, asking, is this all there is? These experiences and so many others I could list confirm a truth that most of us really are in the process of discovering. Namely, that to live as if God doesn't exist, to chase the various secular illusions for our security, that's a road that inevitably leads to disillusionment. No wonder the Bible warns those who chase lesser gods. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so they'll believe a lie. Tonight, if you're hungering for peace, as many of us are, God can use that very hunger as fertile ground to open our eyes and our hearts to the relevance of the Christmas message. Many of us at least are spiritually hungry. George Gallup, in a very recent poll, discovered there's a surge of spiritual hunger in America. Many are disillusioned with these lesser gods of our culture. I quote him, we're in a retreat from materialism. People are trying to get out of bondage of various kinds, alcohol, drugs, food, narcissism. Most Americans do not know what they believe or why, and there's great biblical, biblical illiteracy. 
And I find it interesting. We're illiterate in this very sophisticated age in the one, about the one book that has the truth that's not an illusion, and that's the Bible. I'm convicted that God planned this annual celebration of his son's birthday to give us a wake-up call that has to do with our inner hunger for this deep, inner, lasting peace that we search for and never quite find. Remember the words spoken by the angels the night of our Lord's birth, peace on earth. You know, they could have said anything that night, but they chose peace on earth. Jesus in his ministry said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, but I don't give you this peace as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't let them be afraid. If we think deeply together, particularly you who are on a spiritual search, initially there's nothing about Jesus that would meet the criteria for finding peace as our culture would define it. He was a simple carpenter. He socially identified with the sick and the hungry and the broken and those who appeared useless. He didn't walk the corridors of power or wealth, but he walked the highways of human suffering and need. For the skeptic, the whole Christmas story really could be considered an ultimate illusion. Max Lucado creates a hypothetical conversation between a skeptic and a preacher. And I thought it might be relevant tonight just to plug into a little part of it. The skeptic says, you mean to tell me God became a baby and that he was born in a sheep stable? Yes, that's what I mean to say. And then after becoming a baby, he was raised in a blue-collar home. He never wrote any books or held any offices, and yet he called himself the son of God. You know, that's right. Never traveled outside his own country. Never studied in a university. Never lived in a palace, and yet asked to be regarded as the creator of the universe. That's correct. In this crucifixion story, he was betrayed by his own people. No followers came to his defense. And then he was executed like a common junkyard thief. That's the gist of it. <clears throat> and according to what's written, after three days in the grave, he was resurrected and made appearances to over 500 people. Yes. Well, doesn't that all sound rather absurd? Yes, I suppose it does sound absurd, doesn't it? Well, you know, people have been engaging in this kind of dialogue about Christmas for centuries. Maybe you did it in your own college dorm. The Christmas story is inexplicable. It doesn't have a drop of logic. But if you think about it, love isn't logical. And it was God's love for you and for me that created the first Christmas. <clears throat> Maybe it's the irrationality of Christmas that gives it its greatest defense, really. Tonight, Jesus comes to offer his gift of peace to those who know we need it and to those who've tried many other illusions and found them deficient. Let me describe this peace Jesus offers to those who will receive it in faith. The peace of a second chance after we've shot ourselves in the foot through poor choices. The confidence of knowing our sinful past, no matter how sordid, is not beyond the ability of God's grace to forgive and wipe clean. The knowledge that no matter how far we drift from God, He never gives up on us. His arms are always open, and nothing we do will ever make Him stop loving us. Isn't that great to know? <clears throat> and then the confidence that He hears every groan, sees every tear, understands every point of stress, and he will one day weave all these broken ends and smashed dreams into a perfect pattern for good. That's the hope of the Christian. My prayer for you who are seeking peace tonight is that you might turn from illusion and accept the truth of Jesus, who is 
absolutely the one thing in this world that's not an illusion. To accept the truth that you matter to God and he yearns for you to appropriate this Christmas gift of peace, which is found by trusting his offer of love. <clears throat> if I could put the Bible into one verse, the whole message, I'd put it this way. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that believing in him, you should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn you, but that through him you might be saved. I want to tell you that tonight Jesus will come to meet you and he'll come all the way if you'll just take that first step of saying, Jesus, I need your peace. I need to reconnect with God. I need your forgiveness. I, I want this thing called eternal life. Help me with my doubts and unbelief. Deliver me from chasing illusions. I want to try Christianity. <laughs> but I want to warn us, don't wait too long to reach out in faith to receive this gift. The Bible says, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't wait until your body and emotions have been damaged by needless stress, your marriage and relationships scarred permanently, or you wake up one day to realize you built your life on a bed of straw. I received this letter from a 25-year-old postdoctoral student. I'm really trying not to focus my mind on success as defined by our culture. I don't want to discover at 50 that my life lacks significance. I've achieved a high level of education and this most likely will lead to a high income. I may, though, after all of my effort to win the most toys and have the biggest house, to find that I have chased an illusion. So instead, I want to decide in advance to have fewer toys and more dreams a smaller house that shows signs of wear because of all the people who come there, to have a schedule to keep with my family and not the office, to need a vacation because I've given myself in service to others, not because I'm stressed to the point of breaking, because I've chased to acquire wealth. I want to be involved in serving God in some ministry as my response to the immense gift that he's given to me. And I know this is all impossible to do in my own strength. But with God's help and a lot of prayer, I may have a chance at making some progress in this direction. Now here's a young man who has his roadmap to peace pretty well in hand. And I want to tell all of us tonight, it's never too late to set a new course for our lives if we know we're pointing toward an illusion. We can redirect our life to significance tonight and taking Jesus as savior is a first step in that direction. So tonight, I believe God brought us here to again consider this gift, his Christmas gift that's available to everyone who know they need it. And that's the gift of peace. And we acquire that by taking the leap of faith to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I would invite those of us who feel that knock on our heart's door and know we need that to do that this evening. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, thank you for the promise of peace in a world that lacks it so. Thank you that you never give up on us. Thank you that you're all the hound of heaven, always chasing us until finally we hear your word and come home. And I pray that tonight, those of us who have felt you knocking on our heart's door will open that door and let you in and become a Christian, a follower of the Prince of Peace. In his name we pray.
Would you bow in prayer with me? And Lord, as we worship tonight, we call you again, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us. And in the quietness of these moments, we pray that you will enter the hearts of those here tonight hungry for your peace. Open our eyes to your truth, soften our hearts to respond to it, turn us from illusion <clears throat> to you who say you're the way, the truth, and the life. 
And so change us tonight, Lord, that our life will take a new direction and we'll look back on this night and realize indeed it was a very holy night. Savior's birth. 
As the ushers come forward, please know that the gifts that you give are used for ministry, for the ministries that we have here at the church, in the community, and around the world. May God bless you as you say thank you to him by giving yourselves.
come now to that very special time in a Christmas Eve service when we light candles. Candles can symbolize many things. Tonight, I'm going to suggest that they symbolize the peace that the angels first promised that many of us seek tonight. And as I light it, I'd like to believe that it symbolizes that the Lord started a miracle in our lives and started to feed and satisfy that hunger that we have for peace. And after we find it, perhaps then we pass it on to our families and even <laughs> our neighborhoods and finally even into the community and into the world. What a beautiful symbol with which to close our Christmas Eve service. Yeah. <laughs> 
as you and I long for peace in our world, in our families, in our hearts, know that the love of God is enticing you and the Spirit of God is walking with you so that the peace of Jesus Christ can abide with you as you open your heart to him this Christmas. And may that peace abide with you tonight and tomorrow and for all eternity. Merry Christmas.